Welcome to Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town from the world's number one poker community. Hey everyone, I'm your host, Robbie Straczynski, and thanks so much for joining us on episode number 37 of Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town. Today's guest is a player who has conquered both the online and live realms year after year. She is over $6.1 million in online tournament earnings, not to mention copious amounts of cash game earnings dating back to her days as a multi-time Supernova Elite player. In the live realm, she's a three-time WSOP bracelet winner with over $5.1 million in tournament earnings. She's gone from being the ultimate grinder to a three-time reigning defending GPI female player of the year, plus... She's a party poker sponsored pro. Kristen Bicknell, welcome to the Cards Chat Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's, uh, it's quite the introduction. It's a mouthful, but dang, you've really accomplished a lot <laughs> in that career. It's, it's pretty amazing. I appreciate it. It still feels funny hearing it all, to be honest. Well, it's, it's cool to be able to, to yeah. look back and hear, like, yeah, I did that. That's, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, so, you know, obviously 2020 was a year where poker players had to pivot uh, their games from live to online. And for you, that's, you know, again, as per the introduction, yeah. it's a pretty natural transition because that's where you first made your name online. So since the pandemic began, you know, I've checked, you've got $1.4 million in tournament caches and you won your third WSOP bracelet. So <laughs> with that in mind, how has the last year been for you? It's been interesting. It was definitely uh, not what I had planned for the last year. My plan was originally just to kind of keep up the pace that I had for 2019, which was hitting every poker stop and focusing on live poker and all the live tournaments. Um, kind of because I recognized that that was something that I would be phasing out as I got older. And uh, I was really excited to kind of push myself and so it was a little bit, uh, you know, things didn't go as expected. So you had to adapt. Right. And I would say that looking back, I'm actually quite thankful that yeah. the year went the way it did. Mm -hmm. um, I don't, obviously, I don't mean that. I mean that with the utmost respect of who it affected negatively. Yeah. And of course it did to some extent, you know, there's lots of negative effects, but I think that as in life with any, you know, unplanned circumstance kind of ruining your plans that you have so so much to say is that there is sometimes this positive side that come that you come out with that you realize like wait a second um for me personally it was a time where it was pretty much that I recognized I don't really necessarily want to do what I thought I wanted to do and I like being mm. at home and slowing down is better for me and maybe I need to slow down mm. And um, yeah, just putting kind of, you know, what's important to me in perspective right. and giving myself a minute to kind of stop and think about that too. Mm -hmm. Because I think that that's something, you know, generally, I think a lot of us, we're just so busy in our day-to-day lives that we right. don't necessarily do that. And you get disconnected and maybe to some extent, you know, think that we're working towards one thing that maybe we don't even really want to work towards, right. if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that, for me, the last year has been, okay, you know, slowing down, which to be fair, has been difficult because online poker has gone crazy, but right. there's so many uh, great series to play. And it feels like as soon as 
I kind of push for a couple of weeks online and say, okay, I'll take a break. Someone's announced a new series. So right. it's been kind of crazy that um, online is just, you know, really kind of boomed in its own way. Right. So I've definitely had to use some discipline and, you know, I'm kind of exercising that even, you know, this week as I speak of when do I book these days off? Right. And um, that's always been a struggle with me because I love poker and I love pushing myself. And uh, yeah, this, this year, I would say I've really gotten to tune with um, what I think the best pace is for me nice. and trying to slow down, take some time off, uh, you know, focus on, you know, family and friends and that kind of thing. And that, that's relationships. pretty good. It's a good yeah. uh, sort of a silver lining to the cloud. And, you know, we always say that on poker, you got to change gears. It's almost like life is sort of circumstances beyond our control, forcing us to sort of change gears and how do we adapt um, absolutely. You know. Yes, yeah, so absolutely. Seemed, yeah. yeah. I never thought I'd be playing, you know, when I was 18 years old, if you would have told me when I was 30 years old or 34 years old, that I'd be a professional poker player. I never would have thought that, you know, <laughs> things we have to go with, you know, go with what we're given. It's kind of similar to poker <laughs> and right. yeah, but that's a perfect way to put it. The silver, the silver lining. Yeah, For sure. Uh, you know, okay, you already mentioned it, you know, you're, you're talking about 30 and then 18. I think before we get a little deeper into your more recent results and, you know, the stuff you're up to today, yeah. I think it's probably a good idea. Let's go back to your poker origins. And I think a lot of our audience here in the Cards Chat community can relate to that. Um, on yeah. your bio page on a party poker, your first time playing was an all nighter with your friends in university until 11 a.m. That sounds awesome. Tell me yeah. about that game. What was it at that game or that all-nighter that kind of hooked you in and, you know, and poker swept you away? Yeah, I had literally not even known any of the rules or anything about Texas Hold'em ever. And it was just, you know, I was going to university for something that, you know, I felt like I had to go to university after high school. And I think it was about in September or October that this happened. Um that a roommate suggested we play poker. I said, I have no clue what that is. I always knew that I had a little bit of a competitive side when it came to games and things like that. You know, I would be the person that, you know, if we were playing a board game or whatever it is, it's, you know, I, I really enjoyed mental games, if that makes sense. Um, I can't think of anything particularly, but um, always loved, you know, playing games with friends. So I was like, okay, fine, let's let's play this poker game. And for whatever reason, I think it was a combination of the people I was with. We were all competitive and all took it seriously. And I don't know, I was just fascinated by poker. And I thought that um, it, it just was such a, it was almost like this light bulb went off in me that it was like, whoa, I didn't even know I had a passion for this. And it was like a, like a switch flipped. Mm -hmm. And I remember the next day getting poker books like right away wow. and just being like so single focused on poker from that moment on. It was like, you know, I fell asleep, woke up and I was like, wow, you know, wanted to learn more about poker. And yeah, I got my hands on books and um, I can't remember who it was. Unfortunately, I wish I did. There was like a PDF book that I, I was reading and um, the people who introduced me to the game, they were kind of a part of this community within, I was in Ottawa, Ontario, and there was like home games every week mm -hmm. and some underground cash games. And yeah, my focus just, I was so passionate about it and just thought it was such a cool game. And it's one of those things. It's, it kind of reminds me of golf that 
you know, when you're first starting out, that learning curve is so steep and you can feel your progress like so quickly and so rewarding to me. And I think that's what's so cool about poker is, you know, you improve your skill and you kind of see and feel the results. I think that's, you know, and you feel your mind kind of expanding your perspective on the game. And yeah, anyways, from that, from the moment I learned it, I was just fascinated to kind of keep playing. And I think, I think I just love the kind of like mental battle that happens at the table. It's, it's just so fun to me. And we had very competitive games. Uh, this group of people who I learned with, you know, we were arguing about rules and this and that, and kind of, you know, your typical poker setting. Sure. Yeah. It was just, it was fun. Were you a winner right away? Um, I think to be fair. Yeah. I think I kind of was, I definitely had moments where I think in when I started playing on poker stars, playing tournaments, it didn't go as well right away, but I mainly stepped into cash games Mm -hmm. and then little home tournaments. And I was definitely winning at those. And, Mm -hmm. um, I would say probably how I built a bankroll at first was playing the cash games. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I just kind of Wow. Figured it out. <laughs> nice. Well, definitely winning helps bolster, you know, bolster the confidence there. Um, Absolutely. At, at what point did you, I mean, like you said, you got into it and that's fine. A lot of us get into it, you know, recreational yeah. players like myself as well. At what point did you sort of say, okay, or did you realize, hey, maybe it's even possible to do this for a living and, and you know, maybe I want to become a pro and do this full time? Yeah, I think it was kind of a slow progression that maybe I you know, I, I was never a person that was planning years ahead, so to speak. Not that I'm living just for the day, but I, (laughs) you know, I was certainly just so enthralled in it. I think that there was a moment that sticks out is I was in a poker tournament. I I guess I had joined it before class. Maybe I had a class at 6 PM or something (laughs) like that. And then I couldn't make my class because I ended up winning. It was the first poker tournament I won online. Right. And, and I feel like the story is familiar but it was this this feeling of, wow, I just won like $20,000 in a day. Why am I going to class for something I don't even care about and I'm not right. interested in? And then that kind of slowly shifted of opening doors and seeing the potential that is there in the poker world. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that was just, I think, a $11, $20 tournament that I happened to win. And it was like, wow, you know, I can move up and make push this even further. And I think as I explored online poker, definitely opened a huge door in that. And, um, as I met people who, you know, I, I went to, I remember turning stone casino. They had, when we was 18 years old, they had all these tournament series. And I met people who were a little bit ahead of me too, that they had, you know, had pretty substantial success. Um, on, you know, in the online poker. And so I kind of got to see the potential that was there. And then yep. it was like, wow, I want to do this. Yep. I, yeah. And didn't question in my mind. I, I felt very driven. That's very cool. <laughs> so you never actually had any other real job, so to speak. Not really. My parents, um, they own a family run business that is building race cars actually. And so I've worked, you know, helped them out with their business. Okay. Um, here and there as I was growing up and I was a hostess at a restaurant for Uh maybe a few weeks Uh (laughs) and it didn't work out. Uh, But that's it. Yeah. 
Did you, do you sort of feel like you missed any sort of experiences? Or are you just happy you never had to go through all those sorts of odd jobs and, and finding that like, and, you know, you found your yeah. calling right away? I think there's pros and cons. I think that there's probably a lot of skill sets or maybe even just having appreciation of, you know, the freedom and flexibility or rather the responsibility of being disciplined that Mm -hmm. poker players have to have, because Mm -hmm. we label it as freedom. But I actually think that within that is like a really substantial responsibility to be disciplined and understand that, you know, that's something I'm learning even to this day, that the more disciplined I am, the more freedom I actually have. And Mm -hmm. if I just act as if, you know, I don't give myself any structure, all of a sudden I'm actually not in this place of necessarily freedom to enjoy, but you get trapped in this kind of, um, it's hard to find the word inertia of, mm-hmm. I don't, I feel like I see this a lot with poker players who lack, you know, structure and discipline. So I think that that's one thing maybe I could have learned from, you know, another path that I think that I see for people that I know that went, you know, a more traditional route and then um, shifted to poker, they have those instilled in them a little bit better of understanding like, oh, circadian rhythm is important. You know, doing tasks that, you know, I don't necessarily like treating poker like a business. That's actually one of the first poker books that I had read. Yes. Yes. And I think that a lot of poker players, we, stop doing that um, because it doesn't feel fun to do accounting. It doesn't feel fun to treat poker like a business because wait, it's fun and it's competitive. And to be fair, poker is very mentally taxing. You have to take a lot of energy just in poker. So it's hard to do the other stuff, but the other stuff's important. (laughs) And um, so I think going back to your question, Mm -hmm. um, I think, if I had had a more traditional job that kind of taught me those skills instead of having to teach, instead of having to learn them on my own, because I think that it was kind of a process to earn that, to learn that like on my own time. And, um, you know, it happens as it happens, but I think that, you know, I could have used some guidance because in a way as a poker player, you're just, you know, you're a business owner, you're left to your own and you're not accountable to anybody a lot of the times. So it's a, yeah, you could fall hard if you're not careful. That's for sure. (laughs) Absolutely. And we see that all the time and it's very interesting. And I think to me, it's fascinating when I look back to the people I used to play poker with, you know, 14 years ago or 10 years ago, and you see the people who are still here. And, and I think that a lot of what has kept people in poker over that long time is these skill sets, you know, the discipline, um, and, Yeah, tr- treating it like a business. A lot, lot of insight there. You know, people listen to that yeah. answer. We play the last <laughs> minute or so. A lot of insight to gain from that answer. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Turning Stone. So you know, when, when you started out, yeah. you did play both online and live. And you, know, you had some results starting with those you know, the $200 tournaments, $500 yeah. tournaments. Um, I think it's like a couple hours away from your hometown in Ontario. Yes. Something like that. Okay. Yep. Yep. So you crossed the border to play in New York because back then you need to you used to need to be 21 years old to play yes. in Niagara Falls. And that was you know yeah. like 15 minutes away. So is is distance to a live poker room? Is that one of the reasons you mainly played online to start? Um that's an interesting question. I think a little bit of a little bit of that, but I did have where I where I 
was living at the time, we had pretty nice underground games uh-huh. um, okay. that were running and they ran tournaments a couple nights a week and cash games. Um, so I played there a lot, but I think the online was appealing for, you know, these massive prize pools, like the Sunday million every week, you know, it, it's so exciting as a 20 year old and yeah. the opportunity to win hundreds of thousands of dollars. Even that, as that, a 39 year old, it's pretty absolutely, exciting. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm excited for every Sunday. Yep. So, you know, the Sunday tournament uh, poker schedule is exciting. And it's, so it's those massive prize pools that kind of lured, lured me in and, um, and just the ability to kind of play whenever, you know, whenever, wherever mm-hmm. laying in bed. I don't know how many times I was laying in bed, playing a sit and go and fell asleep. And, you know, it's just, <laughs> <laughs> there's something very comforting that online poker kind of, it, I don't know how to explain it, but it was, I'm grateful that, you know, in my early twenties, I, I found it because mm-hmm. It was just so interesting to me. I got to, you know, use my mind and kind of have something to always do. I, you know, when people say they're bored, I've never experienced that. Wow. (laughs) Really. That's a blessing, I think. I think it is. I think it really is. So, and I have poker to thank for that a lot because there's always poker to play. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I've asked in the past, uh, you know, a few high rollers, people who play, you know, for high stakes, such as yourself, I say, would you ever want to go back, you know, and, and relive those, you know, those one, two, two, five kind of days, right? The answer pretty universally is no, right? Because Oh, you know, okay. Would you, well, so first let's hear that answer and then I'll ask the follow-up. I often say yes, I wish okay. I could. Because the sense of when I, something is the magic kind of fades a little bit, if that makes sense. You know, the feeling when I was 25 year old, 25 years old, walking into the Bellagio playing 510 for the first time, or, you know, when I was really starting to build some like substance of a bankroll, it was so rewarding and empowering. And um, that thrill, I don't think is the same anymore. And I think as you move up to the high roller area like as that's the place to progress it's just different Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I think you know for one thing those um, at this point it's like my emotional control about poker is I would say pretty solid in the sense that I'm not feeling I'm not feeling high highs and I'm not feeling low lows where I really felt that and I think there's something fun in that you know of feeling like actually feeling really excited that you won four Mm buy-ins, whereas now, and you see it, you know, when you watch a high roller event and you see the winner, you know, accept the trophy, they're not as happy as the recreational player (laughs) who just won the main event. It's just, there's something, you know, it's like you, it's almost so far to the other side that we are treating poker so much as, as a business Mm -hmm. that that kind of fun is lost. And I Mm. try to keep it like I really do, but it's difficult to. And I think that for me, that, that kind of initial um, buildup, I was so motivated, the sense of satisfaction, the, you know, and of course I'm starting to realize this, I just need to adjust my goals to kind of get that motivation, but it's just not the same. And it, it was really fun. And it was also fun playing, um, you know, as this unknown girl walking in a poker room and people being like, who, who is this girl? And like, what are you doing? And, you know, if I right. played a little aggressively or right. whatever. And, and how is she playing 5, 10, 10, 20? Like, where yes. did that bankroll come from? You know, yeah. So- 
Yeah, it was fun. And, and I think that, um, you know, one of my, a memory that comes to mind is going to EPT Prague for one of the first times and sitting down at like the biggest cash game going. And it was a really cool feeling because I could tell the people I was playing against were so confused because fem like, you know, female um, presence in the poker room is very rare there anyways. And I think especially in the game that I was playing and it's so fun to, uh, I don't necessarily want to say trick, but like, to, to me, it was just fun to be like, I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm not, yeah. you know, some girl who doesn't know what she's doing. And I felt, you know, very confident. I had just played, you know, 15 million hands online. I was yeah. like, I know, you know, you're not going to make me feel uncomfortable, but I could see that I could make them feel uncomfortable or them be like, I don't know what's happening because I think girls play tight, but she's really aggressive and she just showed a bluff. <laughs> it's like those moments are so fun. Right. Like I you really said, I can imagine incredibly empowering. Yes. No, yes. Very cool. Yeah. So. Yeah. So let's go, I think it's a little bit earlier than that. You know, this is the follow-up. So in your yep. earlier part of your career, let's say 2007 to 2013, before you walked into the Bellagio, sure. you're crushing, you're focusing on crushing online, becoming the supernova elite. You know, tell yeah. me about those those 15 million hands, the beginnings of uh, Chrissy yeah. B24, the ultimate grinder. I mean, this is what I think I've had some Twitter interactions recently, or I've seen comments sometimes about under posts of myself. And it's something that I don't think people realize is I was, you know, just battling out 50 cent a dollar and one, two online for years. <laughs> like, wow. and I wasn't, I wasn't the top reg whatsoever in those games. What happened was I saw the potential of poker. I believed in myself. I basically had no bankroll. And I was determined to make it work. And I had, I remember learning about Supernova Elite. Let's just say this is maybe in October, or November. I was probably, you know, maybe I had a $5,000, $10,000 bankroll, something like that, playing tournaments online. I was frustrated. I don't think that, I don't think that I had the skill set to play tournaments very well, to be honest. Like, I think... I probably, whereas in cash games, I kind of got away with being self-taught. I think in tournaments, I needed to, I didn't study enough uh, okay. to really do well, honestly, looking back. I don't think I knew that. I didn't know this at the time, but I was frustrated with tournaments and I hated, you know, I would go play cash games and I'd consistently win. And then I'd play tournaments and I'd go deep and then lose a flip, whatever. We all know how it goes. And I was just yep. really frustrated with tournaments and, and never getting that. I was like, when is it going to come that win, you know? Mm -hmm. And it just felt like I was breaking even in tournaments. I found out about Supernova Elite. I knew that, you know, I felt pretty confident in my cash game skills. My results were pretty good. I spent a summer playing live cash, uh, two five, and I tracked my results every day. And I had a really good summer at that found out about Supernova Elite and I said, okay, I have $10,000 bankroll. I figured out how many hours I'd need to play in the day to get it. For anyone who doesn't know, you get Supernova Elite, you get about $100,000 in rake back. I think yeah. actually it ended up being worth about like 120, 130 at the time. So to me, $100,000 a year, I was like, that's amazing. Like, you know, whatever job my parents think I might be able to get right. is going to be half of that, you know. And, and that's that. even if you're breaking even, you still get it because you qualify with the exactly. points. Exactly. Exactly. So I, I knew I had the work ethic. I was like, I can put in those hours. I love playing poker. To me, that's not a struggle. It's actually fun. So I figured out, you know, I have to play X amount of hours. I'm going to be super organized. 
Uh, I remember it was New Year's Eve at my friend's house and I kind of announced like I'm doing this challenge this year uh, starting tomorrow and a bunch of people saying I'm crazy and I'm not going to be able to do it. <laughs> but I took this $10,000 bankroll, started at $50 cent a dollar. Um, you know, that first day probably put in 10 hours right, and, right. um, you know, I had moments where I made a lot of mistakes in the sense mm. of playing really long sessions, uh, sessions that went bad. Um, you know, then like the mental leaks kind of come out where mm -hmm. I had to, you know, then work on that. But anyways, um, ended up moving up to one, two, sometimes playing two, four, but mainly just stuck at one, two for, I think two or three years. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, I think even the first year I might've lost a little bit, but I definitely profited a hundred thousand dollars, which felt incredible. Yeah. And, um, that's when, yeah, to me, it was just, it was literally 10 hours a day grinding out 24 oh, tables wow. of 50 cent a dollar. And cause at that point you got points for just folding hands. So I was playing really mm -hmm. nitty, not playing great poker for sure. Playing standard ABC poker, 24 tables, eight, 10 hours a day. And right, then but, kind of went from there. Break even plus, you know, exactly. Still, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So wow, it, it, it was cool. Definitely a good for, for its time. And also you get a couple of years, you know, you're making over a hundred thousand a year. That's a pretty darn good living, you know, especially by any yeah. 20 something year old standards. Um, yes. at, at what yeah. point do you start saying, okay, time to, you know, take my, uh, my uh, three racks of high society and, and take some shots <laughs> in Vegas, play the WSOP. It's a good question. Um, I have to actually think for a second to remember how this all played out. <laughs> I know Black Friday happened, but I was, uh -huh. I'm Canadian, so that didn't affect me as much. I guess you what straight to Saturday. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Poker Stars. I think they changed the Supernova Elite format, if I remember, or maybe took it away. I can't remember what it was, but it was going to be much more difficult. Mm -hmm. And I certainly at that point was, you know, I wasn't signing up for playing 10 hours of poker every day or eight mm -hmm. hours of poker every day. That's exhausting because people don't understand when I say I was playing 24 tables for eight hours, that doesn't include sitting out to go to the bathroom or going to eat. Um, so it ended up taking me probably a good 12 hours to get the eight hours in, you know, even loading up tables and stuff. So that's like, I didn't want to go at that pace. I'm trying to think of, I think what happened was a gradual shift in um, playing um, cash games on other sites. And maybe I had some tournament success, if I remember correctly. Um, I know that when I won the ladies event, that was kind of, I I don't know if you have it up. I don't know what year that was. Well, we're um, getting there, right? <laughs> so that's, okay, that's okay. 2013 is when you won the uh, ladies event. Yes. So you know what? That might have actually been the year I was still grinding Supernova Elite, if I remember. And mm -hmm. I think I got bitten by the tournament bug <laughs> with uh -huh. that okay. with that win. And I realized, you know what? This is really fun playing okay. live tournaments. There's nothing more fun. And it's like live po poker tournaments are a drug. 100 like a very strong drug confirmed yeah <laughs> yes yeah. so i started realizing i really like this and i want to explore that and i think i slowly kind of shifted um away from grinding supernova elite so i was like i don't want to be a rakeback grinder anymore because that's the, effectively what i was i was right. just playing for rakeback mm -hmm. and um maybe i want to play tournaments more they're a little bit more fun I won a package. I remember winning a couple satellite packages, the EPT Monte Carlo. So I went there. Um, 
and EPT Prague. And I remember feeling frustrated because I was in the spot where I couldn't play the, you know, the 2K, the 5K. I couldn't play all the events. I was just, I, you know, I, I remember I final tabled the ladies event at Prague or something oh. like that. I think I won these ladies event packages okay. to go to the EPTs. And I remember feeling this like intense, I want to be at the top. I want to mm-hmm. be in all those events. Right. And that's kind of where it just started of, okay, I'm going to focus on that. And here okay. we go. Well, let's, let's take you back to that 2013 win in the, you know, it's a 1K ladies yeah. championship, WSOP. That's actually your first WSOP cash. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, I can imagine the high, $173,000, the bracelet. Yeah. Um, you kind of just sort of feel invincible, like in a queen of the world. <laughs> I, oh, how did I feel? <laughs> this is true. It's a long time ago, believe it or not. Um, yeah, I think I just felt it kind of renewed that spark in the okay. game for me too, cool. right? Like that passion that I had that first night, it was like, let's go. There's, there's, you know, bigger fish to fry, so uh-huh. to speak. You know, it really, it really <laughs> felt like that. I re- Very good. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> it felt like, you know what? I can do this. I think it, you know, obviously anytime you win a tournament, your confidence goes way too much up because there's so much luck in a tournament. Like without a doubt, I was so incredibly lucky to win that. And, um, you know, the human mind, we think that we're in control of that. And that, you know, a lot of it, uh, you know, you just get overly confident Sure. and that confidence is just, you know, I always had that, that I wanted to battle. I was, I never felt intimidated. I always felt like I want to be there. Amazing. And I think for that, it was just, yeah, to me, that tournament just represented like that little spark of like, let's, you know, go further and see what I can do. And, you know, um, I think just, I just wanted to be in a spot where I had the opportunity to play everything. It wasn't even about necessarily the money. I just wanted to be in there competing. I didn't like the idea of sitting out a tournament. I I hated the idea of going to a poker stop and, oh, I can't play the main event. I can't play this event. You know, I don't have the whatever, whether it's selling action or the money myself to put myself into it. So for me, it was just, I want to be there. I just want to move up. I have to pause and reflect on something. And I have to say from, from having interviewed so many players, what you're saying, I've heard almost universally from men, but you don't usually hear this from women. And I know we have so many women in our cards chat community who are hearing this and I, I I can't, I, I can't help. It's so inspiring. And I can only imagine what they're feeling right now. Like, wow, to hear a woman talk like this and like, yeah, I can do it too. It's really, you know, setting yeah. an incredible personal example and, you know, just good on you. It's, it's really, really great to hear that. You know, you just hear the confidence yeah. in your voice and that's just really fantastic. So thank you thank for sharing you. I, I appreciate that. And one thing I'll add to that, that, you know, always sticks out in my mind is, I've had, you know, I had those moments when I first went into a casino and I, you know, played a hand really bad or was embarrassed or things went poorly. But I had those moments of like, wow, I owned this guy. (laughs) And what I tried to do is focus on those moments. And I loved I, I, I learned that I had to embrace the fact that when I sat down at a poker table, I'm underestimated Mm-hmm. and truly embrace it and truly use it as my poker edge because it is. And, you know, you hear men say that to women all the time, like, oh, wow, you're lucky that you have this. And mm-hmm. I understand when women react um, in a way of feeling like it isn't an edge, like that it's actually a burden that you're carrying. I think 
that's true. I, I completely understand where they're coming from. It is true. I remember feeling like I wish I could just dress up as a guy and fit in and blend hmm. in. And I had those moments because there is a, it's a different experience. And sure. I think for me, I just really, I hated feeling underestimated. So I just took that, that emotion and I was like, fueled it, uh, used it as fuel to, mm -hmm. I'm going to prove you wrong and I'm going to do this. And I knew I, I, I don't know. I just always had that kind of, I don't believe that just because, you know, you're a man or whoever you are, you are right. necessarily smarter than me or better than me. I can, I can do this. You know, and I've had, again, there's always the moments of this guy, you know, if I'm playing with, I'm not going to tell, say names, cause I don't want to boost their ego in case they hear it. <laughs> I'm kidding. But, um, you know, if I'm playing with Stevie Chidwick, He's okay. a better poker than player than me, 100%, you know, and I surrender. You are better. You've <laughs> spent way more time than me studying this game. But, I, you know, I can still handle And that's why I think I, I, I talk to Alex about this sometimes is we both realize at some point with poker, you have to realize whoever you're playing, you know, if it's, you know, whoever you think is the best poker player in the world, when you're sitting next to them and you're playing against them, they still only have two cards, yeah. you know. And in one hand or even a hundred hands of poker, all, you know, just playing your best, you're not going to, it's not going to be like some crazy disaster that sometimes we build up in our head. Like, oh my God, you know, I feel so stupid or I feel all of this, you know, I, sure. I've worked with mental game coaches from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. um, I would say probably two or three years in, I found uh, Jared Tendler. I think I worked with first Yeah, and uh without a doubt, if you want to succeed in poker, especially as a female, because there is a different mental barrier, I think, um, highly recommend. And, you know, it's a muscle. We can work on this. We can work sure. on, um, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of the podcast I heard recently, but, you know, we all have our own burdens to carry, right? And it's sort of like a religious background, but just carrying that cross and carrying it, you know, with strength and pride. Yeah. And I think sure. that, you know, it's maybe a, a far analogy, but I, I think to some extent it's just true. Yeah. Well, I, I can definitely, uh, you know, I, I can speak to those sorts of emotions and, 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 and understanding that got to give the shout out to Jared. He was uh, episode yeah. number 35. Always a good uh, opportunity awesome. to, to let the folks uh, know, go ahead and listen to our back episodes. we got a three dozen of them. And, and I will also say as well, you know, whatever your image may be, man, woman, you see this from seniors and they say, it's only a number. I know how to play. And you know, why do they think yeah. I'm old and slow? You know, so whatever Absolutely. your image is, just turn it around, use it to your advantage. Yeah. So it's cool to hear that. Absolutely. And one thing it's now I'm just going on tangents, but um, I think this was really powerful is um, if you talk to any male and I'm sure you can relate, there is not one person in the world who walks into the poker room for the first time and doesn't feel a bit nervous or a bit uncomfortable when they sit down at that poker table. Yep, we all that. feel that, sure. you know, when you're watching the high rollers, I guarantee you <laughs> over half the field is mental is battling this mental uh, thing. Right. Hmm. So I just think it's an important thing to remember that, you know, male or female, everybody's dealing with, you know, some level of poker is intimidating. Poker is a mental battle, yep. you know, yeah. So we talked about your, your first bracelet. Let's jump ahead to your third bracelet, which you won last summer. It was online. How, yeah. what was that experience like for you? You know, winning a bracelet online is also your biggest ever online yeah. score. 
Did, does that bracelet almost mean a little bit more to you than the other two? Um, that's a good question. I think it's less exciting, if that okay. makes sense. Because um, no one's you're not surrounded by a crowd while you win it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's, it's, you know, the first time you do anything, right, is that magical kind of experience. The You know, the first tournament that you win is, I don't know, it just has its own unique magic to it. Um, it definitely means a lot. I, I just remember the day was quite funny that my session was going quite bad. I, you know, I was mm. playing whatever, 10 tables or something and nothing was really going well. And I was definitely feeling frustrated. And then, um, you know, at the breaks, sometimes, uh, you know, I'll talk to Alex and we're like, Oh, how's your session going? And I'm like, ah, like no good. And then I remember being like, well, I have one like pretty good sweat. Um, oh, we're getting deep in this, getting deep uh -huh. in this. And then all of a sudden I was like, whoa, wait, this is actually a lot to win. Right. And, you know, it, it's hard because when you're in a tournament with hundreds of people, winning just feels so far away. Hmm. So it was, um, and the structure was pretty quick. I, you know, I ran incredibly well at the final table. Uh, it was very shallow and I was, you know, I just was lucky in many situations, whether it just be that, you know, I got some shoves through or whatever it was. Um, but you put yeah, yourself was, in a situation to be lucky. Don't forget. This that. is true. <laughs> yeah. This is true. I appreciate that. Um, and I think, yeah, it was just, to me, it was just kind of a, a highlight or kind of positive moment within, okay. you know, this kind of weird year that we're having, cool. but it, it definitely, to me, those kinds of wins just, um, keep me going if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, it does. The, yeah. Is there something, I mean, it's always a little strange to me. Like, you know, I win, like, you know, if, if it ever happens, I win a hundred bucks, 200 bucks. Hey, I'm thrilled. And I celebrate. I'm yeah. a red player though. As yeah. a professional, you win a bracelet, you know, you know, you, you know, I always say like professionals say the word K not thousand dollars. Do you sure. do something to celebrate a win like that? Or is just on to the next one? Well, I actively work on that because it's, definitely not my nature to necessarily feel too poker so weird and poker tournaments are strange because when you have those hands that you sucked out or you got lucky or maybe you don't like how you played the hand mm -hmm. I get I'm pretty hard on myself uh -huh. so um I will feel and this is something I work with with mental you know Elliot Rowe and Jared Tendler of sure. okay I get lucky in a poker tournament how do I stop that stupid voice in my head that says I don't deserve to win anymore. Uh -huh. So <laughs> I'm battling this sort of uh, personality, I guess, right. or these kind of thought patterns that I have. And I think as a pro, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to play perfect or, you know, um, just, yeah, a lot of pressure on ourselves. So anyways, the way that I do celebrate usually is, and I remember this moment specifically, um, is calling my best friend and just ordering uh, we ordered from probably five different restaurants from That's River so Eats. Cool. And then it became a tradition of we have a big day and just doing like a full buffet. I love that. Being completely, uh, you know, just indulging. I love it. Because <laughs> there's nothing better after poker than food. I don't know yes. what it is. <laughs> but it's like the binge after a poker tournament is yes. incredible. Yes. Right? I I, I, I can, I, I'm laughing because I'm not really a <laughs> tournament player at all. I play cash yeah. games. And if I have a good cash game, you know, my celebrations, I'll take my family out to a sushi dinner and I always take, uh, rub it in a little bit because we're my friends. So I was like, hey guys, you know, make sure you thank Mo Morris, 
Kenny for tonight's <laughs> dinner, you know, so. That's awesome. I love yeah, it. Yeah, I love but it's it. the truth, you know, like you just, uh, yep. it's the time to celebrate. I, I, I like that stuff. That's good. Totally. So you've got tons of caches, look at your hand and mob, tons of flags everywhere. Where <laughs> is your favorite place to play poker? Is any sort of special, you know, place in your heart? Oh, I can't wait to go back there and play again. Well, right now, I, I feel like the World Series main event mm. is just something so special and unique. Mm. And I've never went too deep in it. So I feel, well, I know this, um, you know, ever since I started playing poker, one of my poker goals, I guess I haven't achieved yet, is going deep in that. I mean, mm. I would love to uh, final table it, obviously. <laughs> that's like everybody's dream. Sure. But to me, that's, uh, you know, one spot I can't wait to get back, you know, to have that opportunity to play that again. Um, and there's something great about Vegas. You know, mm. I think that the World Series is fun. You know, you bust a tournament, you get to go to the Venetian and play another one or, yep. you know, you go here and there. There's so much poker. So there's something special about the world series 100 yeah. but i think um beyond that and it's so difficult for me because when i go on a poker trip i'm just there to play poker i don't i'm not very good at doing both of uh -huh. okay i'm here to play poker and be a tourist because to me it's like my i'm just i get so focused in what i'm doing and mm -hmm. if there's a tournament running i just want to be playing it i don't want to sure. be you know sightseeing there's only I'm so there many hours in a day right yeah, exactly. But I have always one of my favorite trips. I'm not sure if it was because it was one of my first ones is Prague. I love mm -hmm. I love Europe in general, actually. So, um, you know, even going to like Cyprus just came to mind. I thought that was a really fun, unique place to play because the culture felt quite different. Yeah. And I love the food there. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, it's about an hour's flight from me here in Israel. Oh, right? awesome. Yeah. yeah. So I, I'm really intrigued by the culture actually of that area. Cool. Um, so I like, I, I would say that is now if I was to pick poker trips that I really like, it's going to cultures where I can feel something different, even if it's just a dinner break or something like that. Even going to Macau is really cool because I felt like you really felt, uh, you know, a difference in culture there. Um, yeah. Nice. So, I, yeah. <laughs> One other question. Oh, before I forget, also, you did mention the Elliot Rowe. He's uh, episode number 20. Got to give oh, the shout outs awesome. where they do. Every time, would, every time we name drop. So we're going to keep on uh on I like it. This. Yeah. Um, <laughs> one of the questions we love asking our guests here on the Cards Chat podcast is who is the friendliest player you've ever competed against in live poker? Okay. She just came to mind instantly. Oh. Maria. Um, can you say her last name? Because I don't want to butcher it. Lemplop. Oh. Um, you know who I'm talking about. Yes. She won the PCA. Uh, Opolis. Hold on. After Opolis? Yes. No. Maria uh, Lemp. Lem Lamparopolis, I think. Yes. I think she is by far the friendliest poker player cool. in the world. <laughs> She's amazing. like, she actually, and, and I'm, I'm friends with her. And I remember her actually saying the one time, it was actually the ladies event. She had a hand versus her friend, Anna. And she was saying how she didn't know here to cheer for because she was <laughs> like, and I know that experience. If you're like, wait, I don't want my friend to lose. But wait, if they win, then I lose and I don't want to lose either. And yeah, she's just, she's so friendly and sweet. That's great. Uh, that kind <laughs> of, that's like what we asked that question. And we call ourselves the, the friendliest poker podcast in town. That's the nature of the community. We see any one of yep. our community members succeeding. Hey, got to root for them. And I, that, awesome. that's a pretty cool one. Um, yeah. 
your two best results on the WPT are seventh in the 2017 Falls View Poker Classic. Uh, and then you got a fifth at Playground in Montreal for, in 2019. How special is it for you to play and be successful in not just your home country, but like, you know, really just, you know, in your backyard close to home? Yeah, it's fun. I mean, there's I, I don't I don't mean to sound negative. There's a lot of uh, <laughs> bad feelings towards both those events, because I remember the Fallsview one. I lost aces to kings oh. for all the chips. Uh-huh. And then in Montreal, I got King's Aces. But so again, and that feeling of, I just want, I'm only happy if I win, which mm-hmm. is, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I know I just shouldn't look at it that way, but I, I really want one of those Canadian events that would feel great. And it's funny because I do feel an added, I'm not sure if it's necessarily pressure or what it is, but on both, in both of those um, deep runs, I felt a little bit more nerves than I've felt really? before. I Did you have to, like yeah. more of a hometown crowd there rooting for you? Yeah, I uh-huh. think so. And especially in Niagara Falls, I'm 10 or 15 minutes away from my parents. Uh-huh. Um, I remember I went deep in the, they run like a 2K and then the main event. And I went deep in the 2K and my mom actually like came to the casino uh-huh. to rail for a little bit. Um, yeah. And I, I think just being, a, when there's a lot of people that I know and a lot of friends around, it mm-hmm. kind of heightens that, Interesting. Um, which can sometimes channel it, I think, into nerves in a good way, bad way, but maybe sometimes they've got a little too high, but anyways, right. yeah. Well, just pretend you're yeah. playing online next time and then you're good. Right? Exactly. I know. <laughs> I know. Poker is such a mental struggle. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. we, we've gone this far in the show and, you know, I'd be remiss. It's kind of impossible to ignore the other half of poker's power couple that you comprise. You did mention uh, Alex, Alex Fox, and uh, the reigning two-time GPI Men's Player of the Year. I imagine, Kristen, that you've had other relationships before. Can you describe yes. how it's different being with a fellow professional high roller poker player versus just a regular nice guy from outside of the poker world? Sure. Um well, funnily enough, um, my uh, Alex won't listen to this, so it's okay. Because <laughs> I don't want to make him feel bad. But my, so I was with my high school boyfriend for 10 years, and oh, wow. we were the ones who found poker together. Huh. So, um, and I'd say me and him have, there's similarities within my relationship of me and Alex and me and him, just in the sense that I think we're a really good team and supportive of each other. Um, so I don't really know what it's like to be in a serious relationship with anyone who doesn't play poker. Oh my goodness. But wow. yeah. So I think, um, and I really enjoy it. I think that, um, you know, when people say, Oh, maybe you should be with someone who doesn't play poker or things like that. Or you hear that sometimes within the poke, you know, that people say, Oh, don't date a poker player. Hmm. And to me, I actually think that that's such a disservice because I'm so grateful for just that ability to be with someone who understands. Yeah. And Alex specifically is, uh, he's so, and has always been so respectful of, you know, whether it's that we're discussing a poker hand or, um, I don't know. He's just, he has a, such a great attitude towards the game in the sense that he would never be the one to say this is right or wrong or make you feel bad. And I think sometimes in poker, it's difficult, even if you're hiring a coach to not have someone who speaks to you in a way that feels condescending yeah. or, um, yeah. And it's just such a unique thing that, um, 
you know, I, I think of times when people say, oh, you know, I finished fifth in a poker tournament. And then my girlfriend was like, oh, that's amazing. You won this much money. But whereas a poker player understands actually, especially at first, it's a very negative uh experience right. for most yeah, what players. happened why didn't you win right it's yes right. and for and for most players it's like it's actually i'd say a little bit for me at least and i know for alex like not winning and being very close to winning can be very traumatic yeah. so you don't actually necessarily i think you're we can be better at saying what the other person needs to hear or at least mm. emphasizing you know or yeah having empathy empathy emph- why can i not speak you know what I'm trying to say. Yes, <laughs> for for each other in a yeah. way that's really nice and special. Sure. I don't know. So I it, and I I love the idea of you know traveling and kind of doing it together. It's yeah. just yeah, well, it's, it's a lifestyle. It's, you know the hours you keep each day, and, and you know not just you know your topics of conversation. You need you'll throw you know oh it's uh you know want to play credit card roulette for the bill and yeah. all these sorts of things. It's uh, it's good to have someone who understands you on that level. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on uh, multiple occasions, the two of you have simultaneously final tabled various events. Uh, the most recent one was just uh, you know, a couple months ago at the Venetian. <laughs> I, I'm just kind of wondering, what, what's that dynamic like, you know, both sort of in that moment and then after the event? Um, well, in the moment, because uh, uh, we all know the controversy that happened the first we time we final tabled. We don't, we don't have, have to, talk to talk about, about that, it. no. But what it has done is sort of created a level of discomfort. <laughs> That's really? for sure. Yeah. A little bit, unfortunately, because prior to that, actually, we we had made a final table um, together before that. It was a 25K in Barcelona. Mm-hmm. I think that was our first one, I think, um, which was just fun. It was like, oh, this is so cool. We came here together. We made a final table. It was the beginning of our relationship. Um, it, was, it was just super fun. I, there's something that feels it's like that aspect of shared experience mm. because whether it's, you know, any final table that you have, it's like, there's, there's, um, I don't know, just being there and understanding all, you know, everyone's watching every hand that's played and you mm-hmm. understand the dynamics that are building between one player and another player and being there to like really share that with someone is, is really cool. Mm-hmm. It's, um, you know, luckily I feel like we're both in a position where they're, and we've never, I mean, Alex coming from his background of like being such a insane sports competitor, he understands competition. Like, you know, and in football, it's like, he can go, you know, rip someone's head off and then understand they're still best friends in two seconds later. So he has, you know, absolutely no hard feelings. I've kind of, you know, my dad's a professional race car driver. I used to race go-karts. So I would race against my friends and then, you know, go hang out with them. And right. so I've always understood and been very good. I think both of us are very good at understanding we can compete and there's no hard feelings within our relationship. Right. So it's, um, to me, it's just fun. Event, after the and event after, as well? Like, well, who after the ahead event, of the other, you know? Oh, no, no feelings like that. Okay. I, I, I think that ultimately it's like, you know, we want to come for, you know, one and two, right. uh, after this, the recent one, it was, you know, a lot of, uh, as I was saying, we're not necessarily happy with fifth and seventh place. So it was a lot of like, Oh, this hand, that hand. And that's what it really is. Is like, we get to have someone to kind of just like talk to someone about everything who was there and gets it. And that's kind of cool too, to have that perspective of someone who's like, Oh, I saw this hand. I was right there. And I've witnessed, you know, I've played with all these players and we're all seeing the same dynamic. So 
I could go ask a different friend about a hand, but they they're not going to be able to give that insight that Alex could give me because Alex was actually there and played with all of these players. And knows the circumstances and the channels and everything. Yeah. So to me, it's like this really incredible learning experience Hmm. um, of being able to have that, like, because, you know, you might talk to a friend or competitor, you know, at the final table, but when you get to go home with them and spend hours (laughs) talking about it. So I think both of us just have a good, healthy mindset of like, we want to play our best, make the best decisions, you know, outplay everybody the best we can. And so it really just, you know, at the end of that tournament, we just came home and discussed all the hands and, oh, I should have done this. I should have done that. And and yeah, it's, almost we're, like, we're, it's, it's the rare occasion, like, you know, you'll remember a few things about the hand, but forget one detail and he can remind you of them or, or exactly. vice versa. Right. That's exactly. Cool. It's really cool. So final tables that he's not at, you know, I might forget some spots that come up or I might, he might point out a dynamic or a tell that someone has or a tendency that somebody has. So that's really cool too, to sort of like discuss with that a little further. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's a, an amazing learning opportunity. Do you guys ever sort of like uh, play heads up for doing the dishes or who's going to take the garbage out or something? Never. I did that with, <laughs> with, I did that growing up. So me and my, my high school boyfriend, um, we, we used to do that because that was who I, we both found our passion for poker together with. And he, um, me and him just, you know, we learned the game together and we would do that for sure. Okay. Of, you know, let's, we would sit up and play heads up all night, you uh-huh. know. but yeah, at this point, turns, right? <laughs> yeah, at this point, I think for me and Alex, it's like when we're going to play poker, we need the, I don't know, the stakes to be high, I guess, so to speak. Uh-huh. Like, it's not that it's not fun anymore, but what's fun is competing at a really high level. So sure. I think that, I don't know. And the garbage not, and the dishes yeah. don't do it for you. I get it. That's yeah. <laughs> I've played, I've played enough poker now that I'm like, if I'm not playing to, you know, use my mental energy to compete, I want to be doing something different. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, the WSOP, they announced they're planning on a full schedule this fall, you know, September yeah. 30th through November 23rd. Can, can we expect to see you there playing the full schedule? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. I think that, I think it will be probably one of my last world series that I'll like go really hard on. Potentially, oh, wow. Okay. Actually. So yeah, I, I, at this, at the time of this recording, they haven't yet announced, you know, which events, but sure. I, let's say, you know, they probably have some similar events to what they had in the past years. You yeah. Have your eye on, on a few in particular. I mean, as I said before, the main event is, is the one for me is mm-hmm. definitely, um, I, unfortunately, being Canadian, still have like tax issues with uh, the U.S. Yeah, so, but you got uh, great health care, so it's fine. Yeah, <laughs> this is true. This is true. So I'll try to play. Um, I think I'll focus on, you know, probably the events that are like 5000 to $10,000 buy-in range is like my sweet spot. Um, if there's a heads-up event, that would be great. I definitely would want to play that. I feel like, you know, I've only got to play... They had the 10K heads up. Maybe I've played it twice or three times. Yeah, I think I cashed it two years ago. Um, I won, I don't know, three or four. I can't remember the exact stats, but I love. So something I never really said is on that kind of route to building my bankroll is I used to play heads up sit and goes. And I love heads up poker. So to me, uh, heads up poker is just like 
the truest form of poker. Hmm. So I, I love playing heads up. So I nice. would love to, if I had one tournament they could bring back, it's like that NBC heads up poker, sure. yeah. whatever it was. I want to see that come back. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we should have more heads up because I think that could be really fun. And I think those were great events. Well, there's a lot of uh, heads up duels going on these days in the poker yeah. studio. So, you know, if uh, those folks are listening, Kristen wants yeah. to play and I'll give her, she's got next. That um, is true. <laughs> so um, before we get into the community questions, just one final question for me. It's a little bit okay. of, a, of a big one and it requires a little bit of reading from me. So you All can right. get your, your little drink of All water. Right. Okay. Um, recently, you tweeted a thread discussing a very hot topic in the poker world right now, women in poker. It's always you know going on, but particularly right now, it seems. Um, you started with a great picture of yourself looking strong, confident at the table, and then you followed it with several tweets, several tweets, including the following. And I want to get the words right. So I could walk into the poker room and focus on the negative. It exists. I have encountered negativity and gender bias many times, but the truth is there has been vastly more positive than negative, not to mention the counterproductivity of focusing on the negative. I appreciate the moment, uh, the, the movement of empowering women in poker. I want women empowered, comfortable, and treated well. This, this is what drives me to compete and be the best player I can. And I strive to leave a legacy that drives the message home that women are equal in poker. Don't sit down at the poker table as a victim. Sit down like a warrior. So let's take a second. Powerful words. It's a, it's incredible. And, you know, over, over, you know, these past, what, 40 minutes or so, it's very clear. You're a great role model for women in poker, for anyone in poker. Can you elaborate on those thoughts that I just read through on women in the game and how we can get more women involved beyond just sort of like you on your own being, you know, an inspiration for them? Sure. Um, thank you for the reaction to that, by the way. It's and legit. It's deserved. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. And well, first off, that spent I spent hours writing that. <laughs> and then I kind of <laughs> got frustrated because it's something, you know, everyone was talking about it a lot. I feel very strongly and passionate about the topic. I also don't um I try not to spend too much time on social media in general. So I understood, you know. Leading up to this tweet, I had spent more time than I would have liked reading mm. threads regarding this topic, which compelled, you know, fueled me because I was hearing and seeing things that people were saying that I didn't necessarily think is the best way to deal with the whole topic or discuss the whole topic. So I felt compelled to say, you know, kind of share my input. And um, I probably could go on, you know, way deeper and way further. Um, further about the whole topic, I think that to me, there's like a few main principles. Um, I would say for one thing, what I'm happy that we're seeing less of is marketing geared towards men only. I think that for me, and I think for many women, when you see marketing that is so male oriented, I think that that right off the bat turns women away because it's the subconscious mes message of this is a man's game. Oh. So I think that that's where I'm really passionate about, okay, we cannot have this type of marketing, you know, whether I don't want to like point fingers specifically. I, I just think, you know, if, if you're a poker room and you're trying to post about a poker tournament, you're going to run, don't 
put a picture of a random female in, you know, a skimpy dress to try to promote your poker tournament. Because what that, that I think it really does show the message of we are targeting the men to come. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't necessarily want women to come. That, you know, it doesn't necessarily open that. So I think that being sensitive towards marketing in that way is very important. I think that I'm, I don't necessarily appreciate the question of how do we get more women in poker? I know that might sound terrible or insensitive. I think that the better way to phrase that is, or not necessarily phrase that, but the way that I would tackle that is I don't want any women feeling turned off by poker because of X, Y, and Z people not treating them well, marketing, things like that, being uncomfortable. You know, I've been in poker rooms where I feel very uncomfortable. I've been in, you know, um, I'll be, I'll be blunt and open with you. Um, I won something. I can't remember. Oh, the cash game, WPT cash game. They were giving an award for the biggest winner and I won it. It was rockstar, uh, sponsored. Mm -hmm. And I had to take a winner's photo with these girls dressed like pretty sexy outfits Mm -hmm. and it felt very weird and uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that kind of moment, it was like, wait, you know, and that's something that's always confused me in a sense too. Like, why are these girls presenting me my winners something like it would make more sense if, you know, the runners of WPT or, you know, like Matt Savage, like, why isn't he presented like that? That would be fine with me. And Mm -hmm. I think that to me, it kind of goes along with my, um, hopes for poker as well that I would love for poker to be a respected game, you know, similar to, I always just think of like the PGA, you know, it's so classy, it's respected. Everybody's respected in it. I understand that there's overlap with, you know, this degenerate activity with poker that's difficult to, you know, how do we make that exist where it is just this respectable thing, but, um, yes. Okay. So marketing and making women feel that, you know, it is, an environment where, you know, they're, they're just as invited as men are to come mm-hmm. play the poker tournament or whatever it is. And that there isn't this awkward, Oh, now you have the girl to present you the trophy, you know, because she's attractive or whatever it is. It's like, I don't know that, that sort of part, I think, you know, the people who are hosting and we have a lot of power to control that. And I think that there's tons of progress in that actually. Um, I really, really do. Um, so that's one thing I think, yeah, getting more women in poker. I think that that just happens naturally by showing, um, that women can compete and where I was saying, you know, leaving a legacy or why I feel, um, inspired to do that is the way that, you know, I, when I turned on poker and saw Jennifer Harmon is one of the only poker women in poker, um, it inspired me to be like, Oh, look at her. Like she's sitting down like a boss. Any woman could do that. And I think that to me, that's way more powerful of just like, you know, Vanessa Selps, like seeing the women who just sat there, like, you know, they, I don't think for one second when I see them play poker that they think for any reason, they're like not as equal as the man they're sitting next to. If anything, I think that they see the power that they have, that they're superior even. And I think Jennifer Tilly is a great example as well. I pointed this out, I think in the thread, I was just thinking of women who sit down super empowered and they, they have like this confidence. And I Mm -hmm. think that bringing that is so important. And, um, I think, you know, 
as I'm sure you've played poker, there's always idiots in poker rooms. That sucks. You yeah. know, uh, Alex tells me about men who are mean to him, comment about the way he looks in a positive way. Sure. Sometimes, but you know, men get all of this too. And I'm oh. not in any way, um, you know, think that that's okay, that women have to deal with certain, you know, ways that they're treated. I think that's terrible. I think most casinos I've played in, if you went to a floor person or you, you know, most people deal with the situation very well. I've never seen it not dealt with um, well. I'm just saying that I believe in, let's look at what we can control and Mm -hmm. what what your power is. And I think that um, if we get too focused on, you know, being a minority, then all of a sudden, I don't know. It's just a different vibration, I think, than being, you know, determined to fight that battle. And I think that I think seeing women succeed is like the number one thing that's going to change it. I really, really do. And I I was saying that from my personal experience. And I can also say that's one of my motivations to play poker tournaments in a public um, setting. Because if it was just, if I was only playing poker for money, I would just play cash games. Mm -hmm. But I'm really playing because I, it bothers me that there's no women uh, in a high roller setting. And that I know that having no women in those arenas, what it does is it sends that subconscious message to men, to women, to everybody that, oh, women can't compete at that high level. Mm -hmm. So to me, it's like, wait, someone needs to step up and show we can do it. You know, Vanessa Selps, she did a great job. I. I want to do that because I, I wanted to show like, hey, you're wrong with that. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that's the way to do it is we have to step up and, you know, show we can. And I, I really do believe that, um, you know, I believe a lot of people have had terrible incidences in poker rooms. I have too. I've gotten in fights. I've been in mm-hmm. tears. It, it's happened. Yeah. But, oh my God, I walk into a poker room and and this is true from being... Uh, popular in poker or not, because even six or seven years ago, there was always men who went out of their way to make me feel more comfortable. And I really, really believe, and you know, this is something with our society too, of like bashing men that I think is really dangerous. And for the most part, men are motivated to make women's lives better Mm -hmm. to be nice. Most men want to be nice to women. And I see men go out of their way all the time. And I think that if you're only focusing on the negative, you miss all the positive Mm -hmm. or, or rather if you walked into a poker room and there was one jerk and I I know this is human nature. It's just like, you know, if you remember the bad bad, beats, same thing. Exactly. 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 So I think that if we're going to go and, you know, do a sort of movement of sharing negative stories, I think that kind of, is a disservice to mm-hmm. only talk about the negative and then not like also fill it in with, well, wait a second, there is all of this positive and how do we spread that further maybe? Right. And I think, you know, I've just, I've never been in a poker room where um, there wasn't at least one man who was there to like put a situation to rest, so to mm-hmm. speak. Yeah. And I do think, I do think first, you know, something that I think people missed is, how you sit down at the poker table and how you present yourself and how you treat other people is also very important Mm -hmm. too, because I don't know if someone was called you a bad name or said something to you, were you really nice to them and kind to them right? to begin with? Because I do think that because some people feel intimidated sitting down at a table, you might bring a bad attitude or bad Mm -hmm. vibe, so to speak. 
And I think that, I don't know, to me, I just think it's such a complex issue. I think um, it's an interesting thing. And I I, I think ultimately everybody wants the same thing. And it's a shame that there was arguments Mm -hmm. within these Twitter debates, because I'm so certain that, you know, the women who might have responded negatively to what I said, um, that if I sat down with them face to face, we'd want the exact same things. Right, right. The face to face conversations are always, uh, you know, a, a notch yes. uh, better. Absolutely. And I've got to say, you know, you, it, it was a big question. You know, you expressed yourself beautifully, very layered, nuanced, and, and, and comprehensive answer. Obviously, you know, I, I think it's awesome that, you know, you're very self aware as well of, of your role. You know, you mentioned Jennifer Harmon, you mentioned, Vanessa Selbs, Jennifer Tilly. I mean, you obviously do belong in that same conversation uh, with those, you know, tremendously accomplished women in poker. And I love that, you know, that is exactly your motivation. You're like, yeah, I'm, I'm not just going to go ahead and sit and make, you're aware of, of the potential impact that you do and, and, and will continue to have. So fantastic answer. And, and, and thank you for, for taking the time to express yourself so beautifully uh, on that, Kristen. Um, you're welcome. We now turn to the final segment of the show. We ask all of you guys out there watching, listening in the Cards Chat community to see what questions you wanted to ask our guests. We have a dedicated thread in the Cards Chat forums for this. So as we announce who our future guests are, uh, please be sure to send in your questions. We start off with Shells. Thank you, Shells, for sending in this one. Uh, She's got a couple here. With all of the great wins and results, which one tournament would you consider your favorite? Hmm. I think I, my favorite one. Yeah. Okay. I went to Macau with Alex. It was actually our first poker trip that we, or second poker trip we stayed together, but our first Mm -hmm. poker trip as like an official couple. Uh And I, it was so funny. I'll just, cause I think it's kind of a cute story. I'll share it. Um, so I think what happened was we were, getting to Macau and we were trying to find like Hong Kong dollars or whatever the currency is that we needed to get. And one of our friends was helping us out, but he's like, I can only get you enough for the buy-in today. I think it was, I think it was the 10 K or five K. I'm not actually sure because the numbers were all, you know, crazy in this uh, exchange. So we had enough. So our friend helped us out with making sure we were okay for that day, but it would still be a struggle to get more money. So me and Alex were like, all right, we gotta, we gotta do well in this one. And then that way we were like set for the trip. So we had cash because it's always annoying on poker trips to like figure out cash for all the events. Yeah. It's always and, so much uh, easier when you win. Right. I, you, don't, yes. you don't have to visit and even in just dollars. It's nice to not have to visit the ATM. For sure. Exactly. So I ended up winning that tournament. I beat David Peters heads up, which felt pretty cool because he was a player who um, I, you know, respect and definitely you know, thought he was way, way above me. You know, uh-huh. it was kind of like that stepping stone of like, okay, wow, I'm playing David Peters heads up. This is a challenge, uh, but I felt up to it and was lucky enough to beat him and to win. And I, this is like the crazy part. So when I was winning, I think it was a three-day event or two-day event, I can't remember. Uh, Alex was leading the other tournament that was oh, happening. Okay. And he ended up winning that tournament and he won with the same hand that Sweet. I won that tournament with, which ah. is crazy. Because <laughs> like, what are the odds of that? There were two big tournaments we both, you know, going on a poker trip together with anybody and then actually both of you winning back-to-back tournaments nice. and with the same hole cards. It was crazy. <laughs> right. 
So that was one of my, that was a really fun win. And it was just a fun trip, actually. Fantastic story. Uh, Shells has one more question. What are your favorite things to do in your free time? Um, uh, Eat. (laughs) As I said before, (laughs) I like going to restaurants, Um, gym. I really like working out. I like uh, nature. I think even more so recently, I'm realizing how much I'm loving uh, just stepping away from, you know, the crazy society of technology that we have and um, just being away from it. Okay. (laughs) So I think, yeah, like hiking, gym, working out. I like doing things that, that feel good and, and traveling. I love traveling. I love seeing new places, eating new foods. (laughs) Great hobbies. Nice. Yeah. Um, Freddie R87 asks the questions uh, a little bit more in depth. Which stakes, I like this one, which stakes were the hardest for you to climb through? I'm currently playing NL25, and it has been very hard for me to climb to that level, and I have to, I've had to move down one or two stakes levels several times. What do you do when you find it hard to climb a level or when you're winning less than expected? Yeah. Well, I think one thing that's really interesting that was fascinating to me when I first started playing is that when you're playing low limits, your win rate gets so impacted by the rake hmm. that there's actually limits that become almost unbeatable. So I can't speak to which ones those are at the moment because I'm not familiar with the rake systems, but I do remember when I moved up to 50 cent a dollar and one, two, or is it one, two and two, four? I remember one of them, it was like just having the same win rate at the higher stakes. I was actually realizing that so much more because of the rake not being so high. So that's actually one trap that I think is really um, sad Mm -hmm. that it happens at uh, lower limits. You know, this is the same if if you're playing one, two in a casino, you might be smarter if you can try to figure it out to borrow money or something to play a bit higher because someone told me exactly those words, not a couple months ago. I've always been one, two. And I was like, okay, let's give it a shot for that reason. Yep. Exactly. And it's crazy because you feel like, you know, I went from playing one, two as well to two, five, and you feel that you're like, whoa, I'm winning more and I'm not doing anything different. And I moved up. How is this happening? So I think that's one thing to to look at is make sure you look at the rake of the game that you're playing and that it is beatable. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, finding the person who's successful. Now I'm saying I'm giving advice where that was really the question, but find who is successful at that limit and um, study them, you know, figure out what are they doing? Maybe if you can connect with them and talk to them, look at their game a bit, try to find your own leaks. I think for me, the stake that I, I mean, actually, I feel like I'm kind of in that spot in the last couple of years of with high rollers Uh um, because you know, it's these, these high variance spots of moving up. And I've never understood this. You know, we go from 2K buy-in, 5K buy-in to 10K to 25K. It's like, why can't we have something in between? Because this is like a pretty big barrier, you yeah. know, from going to 10K buy-ins to 25K buy-ins. Yeah. The bankroll you need is quite substantial. I mean, back so, in the day, I think the uh, the WPT five diamond Doyle Brunson classic was like the 15K. Yeah. That was like a nice sweet spot. In there. Yes, that <laughs> is. They should bring that back. Yeah. Right? So I think um, that's okay. definitely like kind of the struggle for me at the moment. I think in the past, um, yeah, from one, two to two, four was a, a big leap. But uh, I do think that what I was saying about the rate might be a substantial thing. So 
Yeah. And, and, and just like a yeah, little no. add in, I know the question was asked to Christian, but one okay. thing I can say as well is surprisingly to me, because I just never tried it, I was afraid to, when you do jump, at least, you know, on the live from one, two to two, five, the level of player is not necessarily better, you know, not worse, not. but not necessarily better. They just happen to have a little more money in their pocket. That's all. Exactly. Exactly. And that's like, that's what's so cool when you realize that in poker. And I think it's so essential to to not psych yourself out to like yeah. put people on pedestals and, yeah. and think that these limits are really high. It's like, no, I mean, I, I'm playing cash games like recently and just reminding myself of like, wait, the, you know, the 50 hundred game is actually softer than the 10 20 game. Mm -hmm. It really is. <laughs> there was one eye opening moment. Like, and I'm getting off on a tangent as well, but it was just like, yeah. Oh, like an aha moment. Uh, I was in casino yeah. Barcelona and they didn't have one, two, one, three. All they had was five, five in the euros. And I'm like, that's a lot of money. And someone's like, Robbie, there is no lower limit. All the worst players are playing five, five go yep. play. Yep. Yep. And it was like, Oh, I never thought about it that way. So don't, don't yeah. be afraid of the limits. So. And then you're like, this is amazing. These people are putting this much money in with yep. this. It's it like playing a, like this. Yeah. It was a couple profitable sessions. I'll say that. That's um, awesome. Mark J duck. This is a news. He's never submitted a question before. So thank you very much. Mark J duck. Uh, Kristen, if you washed up on a desert Island with a deck of cards, which poker player would you most want with you and why? Alex Foxen, because okay. I love him. Okay. That is fair. <laughs> no, I mean, I'll try. Should I try to think of someone else? Um, that's if that's easy. the genuine answer, then I don't think so. I think we've kind yeah. of gotten the sense that that's. I'll uh, just say Alex and not. Choice. Yeah. 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 Okay. That's fair. Uh, Crystal is always a, a great contributor of questions here. Um, what would you say? She asks, what would you say is your stronger game, live or online poker? That's a good one. I think genuinely live, if I'm not in playing high stakes, like high roller setting, and then online, if I'm playing a high roller set, like I think I'm better online in a high roller setting. And then I think I'm better live versus like in, let's just say like, you know, a main event or something where I'm playing with, with, um, in a field that's a little bit, uh, weaker. I don't know the right way to phrase that, cool. but okay, that's yeah. Fair. Cool. And our final two questions come from Acid Burn FX, one of the best names on the community. Um, <laughs> what is the biggest challenge of your life and why? Wow. Um, oh, that's not even the last question. Just wait till the last one. This is deep. Okay. <laughs> I like it. I, I mean, I love deep conversation. Yeah. I, hmm. Well, something... I, I guess I just have to go with what's recent is it's so interesting how quickly time flies. And I think uh, <laughs> it's a challenge to embrace that and realize even just like the decision of what I should be doing and where is my target if that makes sense. It's like, what's important right now? Should I, you know, have kids or focus on poker or, you know, how do I make the two work? I think yeah. that that's, I'm just saying what's relevant right now. I think that that's kind of figuring out what I want or what I want to do that, that kind of, yeah. Cause I, it's just, I'm 34 and I'm just confused because it feels like a blink ago that I was 20. Mm -hmm. Like it, it's, it's actually just, it's, it's just bizarre. 
Yeah, actually, <laughs> it, it does go by quickly. I, I can I can say and that's certainly a, a big challenge. So question uh, correctly and well answered. Yeah, um, thank you. And the final question from uh, again from Acidburn okay. FX: What is something amazing that you did, but nobody was around to see it? Hmm. That's really interesting. Um, I don't know if he means with poker, with light. Not necessarily. Yeah. Huh. I think. Like a bottle flip or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, we could go that way. Uh, well, I did get a hole in one in golf, but there was a oh. couple of people there to witness that. Okay. So, okay. but still, um, that was pretty cool. What else? Um, hmm. for some reason what comes to mind is thinking of moments where and I can't think of anything particular um, but my gut kind of what came to mind is the moments where I felt a little bit of like fear or um hesitation to do something and did it any like where I mm. kind of challenged myself and succeeded and I'm I'm just trying to think whether that may, might be like traveling alone somewhere mm. like I think that you know one of the first EPT stops I actually went to alone and I didn't know anybody yeah. and I think that and I actually had moments of like that felt kind of lonely and not nice mm-hmm, sure. <laughs> and um and it was a weird, you know, when you're, I'm walking into like EPT Monte Carlo and I don't know anybody <laughs> and it, I was just alone like that. I feel like those little moments in life yeah. actually are the most like substantial, you know, because getting a hole in one, that's just fun or, you know, right. doing something like that feels great. But those those moments that feel a little bit uncomfortable and yeah. that you that you went through on your own and got through, I think that those are really kind of special to me. Um and yeah, maybe sometimes even just, you know, in a workout and like pushing myself really hard or lifting like, you know, more weight than I've lifted before and, you know, doing that alone. I think that that's kind of um, those very, moments stick out too. Yeah, it's very, very invigorating. That's for sure. Very insightful uh, reply. Yeah. Um, thanks to everyone who sent in questions for Kristen Bicknell. Just a friendly reminder once again to all of you in our Cards Chat community. We'd love to see you submit your questions for our future podcast guests in the dedicated thread on the forums. Please be sure to give us a good review on iTunes and spread the word via your social media channels if you like the show. Kristen, this has been a tremendous pleasure speaking with you. Before we let you go, anything else you'd like to tell our audience? Um, no, I think, we, I think we talked about a lot of good stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's difficult to make it short because there's a <laughs> lot of deep stuff. And I yeah. think, um, yeah, I think, well, what I would just say and what I'm kind of going through myself is just, you know, I think framing things positively and, you know, working hard. I think that that's kind of my, the things I try to work on every day and remind myself of. And I think um, with poker, you know, there's tons of great information and tools out there and focus on, you know, what you can do to achieve what you want. I, I really believe in that and just you know, what I was saying, picking a target and going for it and doing what, making sure all of the steps and small actions that you're taking, because 
that's one thing is small actions lead up to big things, whether that's, you know, you don't feel like going to the gym that morning. It's like, that's going to change everything because not, not just like falling out of routine, but how you might feel after the gym and then how you treat the people you're with that day and then how they treat you and the snow, the snowball effects of small actions. That's what something recently um, I was, someone pointed out or kind of shared with me of that insight. And I thought it was brilliant. And uh, that's kind of what, uh, yeah, I think it's, I think it's brilliant. So now you're paying paying it forward. So it's it's certainly a great message. And and you said, you know, you, you enjoy the deep conversation. I certainly did uh, this one too. Thank you for for your time, Kristen. I appreciate it. Uh, Thank you all for tuning in once again to another episode of Cards Chat. I'm Robbie Straczynski. You can follow me on Twitter at Card Player Life. I wish you all a wonderful day. Awesome. Thanks, Robbie. Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town from the world's number one poker community.